internet, welcome to Game Theory, where today, this is it friends, after seven years of research, planning, pouring over every detail of this franchise, nearly 50 episodes exploring every scrap of story ever put out into this universe, I think I've got it, I think I've done it, I have an answer to any question you could possibly ask me, what's in the box, who's orange guy, what is Mangle's gender, I even legitimately think that I have a timeline all figured out. This will be, without exaggeration, my final FNAF theory. So strap in, loyal theorists. It's been a long ride, but this is the moment that you've all been waiting for. The climax of our journey. Today we solve everything about Five Nights at Freddy's once and for all. No. It's my turn. There is no one else. There is just Monica. Just Monica. Just, just Monica. Just Monica. Just Monica. Just Monica. Just Monica. Just Monica. Roll intro. Welcome to get 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 Monica theory where there's just Monica hit that subscribe button to make Monica happy Please speaking of have you ever had the feeling that you exist in a virtual simulation of a school? Oh wait That's like school for most people in the post pandemic times anyway for many of you school might still be virtual But our back to school merch is very very real like our brand new big idea backpack complete with cushioned laptop compartment USB charging port even a built-in zipper lock so you can keep whatever you want safe in there everything from your value to your secret hidden lore. Speaking of bags, why not fill that big bag with a smaller bag specifically for your pencils and art supplies? I'm talking about our stylish Game Theory pencil case. Yuri must have slipped that one in there. There's also the Game Theory 3-in-1 enamel keychain. Links are down below. Get them before the universe resets. That's, that's... If it wasn't obvious, today's episode has us diving back into the world of Doki Doki Literature Club, with Team Salvato recently releasing a new version of the game, Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, or as I like to call it, the DDLC DLC, complete with new mechanics, a new look, and a brand new layer of mysteries to solve. So if it's been a minute, or several million minutes since you last thought about the game when it first came out back in, uh, oh man, 2017, let me quickly refresh your memory. DDLC is a game that on the surface looks like any normal cutesy visual novel dating sim. You're the newest member of the high school literature club where you build relationships with four girls who are all definitely most assuredly 18 years old. Nothing creepy to see here, folks. There's the bubbly Sayori, bookish Yuri, aggressive Natsuki, and club leader Monica. Over the course of your first few days in the club, you come to learn all about their unique personalities, their likes and dislikes, like Natsuki's love of manga and cooking, and Sayori's need to make others happy. As your relationships deepen, the girls start opening up to you about their problems, like Natsuki's father not feeding her, or Yuri's shirt being too tight for her chest. Her words, not mine. Poem by poem, you start wooing the girl of your choosing, but not all is as it seems. As you go through the game, things start to go off the rails. Characters become erratic. Their behavior starts to get more and more extreme, with many of their worst tendencies getting multiplied exponentially. Then Sayori takes her own life, and everything changes. You reload the game, only to find the code glitched beyond repair. She's gone. Even removed from the game's files and no amount of saving and restarting can bring her back. One by one, the other characters fall away until you're left alone with just Monica. 
let's be honest. She was always the right choice all along, you know? Why would you choose to go with any of these other girls? Monica reveals that she'd somehow seen the truth. That she'd known this was a game all along because she'd been granted a higher level of access to the game's code. Her tampering with sliders in the background caused the other girls to die, just so she could be the one left with you. Everyone always asking who the best girl is. No one ever asking how the best girl is. So, how do you stop her? Well, by beating her at her own game. You have to go into the files for the game and delete her character file. A technique that she's been using against all the others since the start. Now that alone would have been a pretty incredible game experience. A psychological horror title disguised as a visual novel where you have to alter the game's files to win. But what put Doki Doki over the top was that the story didn't end there. In a series of two episodes we did after the initial game's release, we dug deeper into the game's files, finding clues hidden throughout the various poems and dialogue. We discovered files that could be converted to different formats, like PDFs and text files. We ran codes through base 64 converters, ciphers, binary decryptors. We were inverting image files, wrapping them around cones. We even found a QR code that was hidden inside an audio file. That QR code led us to a website hinting at something called Project Libertina, an experiment that was trying to train people to open their third eye, which we come to learn turns them into killing machines. And if that seems a bit random and disconnected, it's the exact story that's hinted at in Doki Doki's main game, when you speak to Yuri about the book that she's been reading, The Portrait of Markov. Those videos are still up, by the way, if you're interested in checking them out in more detail, but now, they're all age-gated. Just goes to show how much YouTube has changed in the past four years. Anyway, it was Monica's character file that was the most interesting, hiding a note for us that suggested they all might come from a different game entirely, and that Monica, rather than being the villain, would actually be the hero of any new sequel to come out of the series. I know that this isn't my only story, and I think everyone else has had the same kind of experience. Some kind of deja vu. I think you might be able to go back, or however you want to put it, to go back and tell them what's going to happen. If they knew ahead of time, they should be able to avoid it. If they remember their time with me in the other worlds, they should remember what I tell them. This is my story. It's time to be an effing hero. 2018! She's trying to save the rest of the girls from whatever fate awaits in Project Libertina, with the last point of her message saying 2018, and then nothing happened. 2018 came and went, and so did 2019 and 2020, but now we have DDLC+, Plus, which, well, isn't the game that we were expecting for the past three years, but does have a lot more in it. Stuff that confirms some of what we've theorized about, gives us a way to peek into the terrifying alternate world of Project Libertina, and suggests that Monica may have just been able to escape. So let's stop reminiscing about the past and jump into the game, shall we? What does the plus add to the original game? Well, when you open up the game, you're welcomed by a desktop. Yep, this is the big new addition here, friends. At first, I was underwhelmed. I mean, it's been over three years, but I also understand why it's here. The original game was so popular that they wanted to bring it to the mainstream market, i.e. consoles, but you can't just open a game file and delete entities on a console like you can on a PC. Shout out to the PC Master Race. So, this in-game desktop seems to be the best way to allow for the original file-altering experience. But, dear theorists, there's also so much more here. So much more. The first feature that stands out on the desktop of DDLC Plus are the side stories. These unlock as you complete poems for specific characters throughout the main game of DDLC. But again, something is a bit off. Don't get me wrong, they're similar enough to the original game. Visual novels watching the girls we know in what seems to be a prequel to the events of DDLC. We 
We watch as they form the literature club, develop friendships, but there are a few things that stand out. First, we, the player, aren't in the game anymore. We just watch the stories unfold with no interaction or choice. They're just that, they're visual novels. Secondly, Monica isn't acting in the way that we're used to. Instead, she seems to be normal. She isn't the confident leader that we're used to. Instead, she's insecure, shy, even a little neurotic. And she's definitely not acknowledging anything outside of the world that she exists in. What's also intriguing is that when you enter the side story menu, you're met with this line of text. The side stories are stories of friendship that are unrelated to the events of the main game. It's weird, right? Why would it be so important for these to be kept separate from the main story, especially when it seems like they're meant to be a prequel? There's something more than meets the eye going on here. More than meets the third eye, <laughs> am I right? That's it's a, it's a third eye Project Libertina joke. No? Nobody? Okay, moving on. Elsewhere on the desktop, we have access to emails and files written by employees of a company named Metaverse Enterprise. The files, however, seem to be locked. Trying to open them only yields the message, unable to open, unknown error, please try again later. Digging deeper through the desktop system, you find a nested series of empty file folders, each one numbered from 0 to 5. Huh, suspicious. There is one file that you can open, Tower Keys, and this is where the metagame truly begins. In this file, we're given a clue, 240, clock time, 221. Immediately, this starts to give us our code. Navigate through the folders, 2, 2, then 1, to find a file hidden at the end, in this case, Project Plan, and then you adjust the time on your device to 2.40 in order for that to open. Remember how it said, please try again later? Yeah, they weren't kidding. It pays to read your error messages. Now, most aren't that easy. Those three number codes plus a time are hidden in every nook and cranny of this game. Like when you unlock the file track six name ideas, it gives you explicitly the code 030, but you don't have a time. You have to go to the song library after completing the main game, and the song matches the name of a song with his name ideas. Let's teamwork. That track has a length of 158, and that right there is your time code. So reset your system time and the file opens. Do it enough times and you'll unlock all the files. These, combined with emails sent from the Metaverse project team that unlock as you play the game, start to reveal the bigger story. And the more you unlock, the deeper and darker this rabbit hole goes. The story focuses on a group of people working for Metaverse Enterprises. Ro, Ravi, Lib, Ive, and Paula, who, based on information in multiple files, seems to be maintaining a side project in order to save their jobs. In the file ddlc.txt, we learn their team name. Quote, I want a cool team name. Something like Team Salvation? Team Salvation? Or how about Team Selvato? Seems like our real-world game makers may have just actually become a part of the game's lore. But the funny thing is, it seems like all of us might have wound up as part of the game's lore. You see, throughout all of these emails, we get hints that the universe this design team lives in, which also happens to be our universe, may actually be a simulation. From that same DDLC doc, quote, learn, through the existential crises of others, how to cope with your own simulated universe. And again, from a different file, this time called Project Plan, create human-readable version of Fabric Benchmark results, suggesting we live in a simulated universe. So it seems like the team's plan is to create a series of simulated worlds with characters that they can watch to learn what people do when they're in a simulation in order to identify whether or not they themselves live in a simulation. They call the simulations they're creating VMs, or virtual machines, and the description for the first of these, VM1, should sound a bit familiar. Quote, a small-scale simulation with 
literature assets for easy data collection. Four entities, characters, and a small physical space. It's our Doki Doki crew. Which means that we were right. Monica is an AI. Technically, all the girls are. But we also learn how Monica got her powers. In that same project plan file, it explicitly talks about observing the effects of elevated access knowledge of simulation. What this tells us is that basically the Team Selvato crew gave one of their simulated characters, Monica, the knowledge that she's in a simulation to see what she does with it. What motivates her. What it does to her psyche. However, what good is an experiment without a control group? Remember all those odd things I said about the side stories in the game? How there's no player character? How it's not connected to the main story? How Monica seems normal? Well, that is our control group. Another iteration of the VM1 simulation where Monica doesn't discover her powers. There are a couple of emails and text files that help us prove this. The first, meeting notes 2.txt, mentions the following. Clone VM1, same elevated access, but prevent the entity from discovering it. The entity obviously being Monica. Meeting notes 3 also confirms the side stories to be the control group, stating, quote, snapshot slightly earlier in time, compare end control sim to start of VM1, which lines up perfectly with the side stories ending with the creation of the literature club before the start of the main game in DDLC. And if that wasn't enough evidence for you, Rhea, another member of the team, outright tells us in the email side stories, quote again, just to clarify, all the recordings labeled side stories are part of the controlled simulation, right? And again, in the same email, we once again get a reference to the unreality of their own world. Scrolling down a bit further, so if I'm keeping track, we have what? Like five different universes in total? With three or four of them created and then destroyed by Monica, of course. It's funny because I keep wanting to speculate on which one is the real universe, but in reality, they all are. As real as ours is anyway. But what about the player? Why are we not a part of that control group? The absence of a player seems odd, even to the team. Quote from the email character discrepancy. Having run the control simulation for a while, it's evident that a certain character is missing from any mention or appearance. This makes me speculate that Monica's meddling is less clumsy than we think, because she would have had to manufacture this character herself as a way of forcing interaction between her and the user. Once you get this email, you unlock a concept drawing in the gallery for none other than the player character. Monica created the player character. Note, I'm not saying the player, just the character that the player controls. This is why we aren't playing the side stories. With her elevated access hidden, Monica doesn't create a player character. She doesn't need it. She isn't aware of everything that's going on, and so she doesn't need to interact with any sort of user. Speaking of Monica, we learn in this new content where her name comes from. Once you unlock the email, let's move on, we get ourselves a fuller picture. Quote, we need to have a meeting about shifting our focus a little bit. We've reset VM1 how many times now? We've obviously gotten spoiled by the ease of access that VM1 offers us, but it's just unrealistic for someone in real life to be granted a level of elevation even close to monitor kernel access. Monitor kernel access. Monica. But what's interesting is that after so many resets and experiments, they've come to realize that the permissions they've granted Monica are too high. She doesn't just suspect that she's in a simulation, she knows and can manipulate it. That level of knowledge just doesn't happen unless you meet Lawrence Fishburne and swallow a red pill. It's at this point that the Metaverse team starts to shift their focus over to VM2, Project Libertina. Yep, that is still very much a thing here in all its dark psychological horror glory, and we're gonna talk about that later, but I'm still not done with what VM1 and the Literature Club have to teach us. Or should I say Monica isn't done with us? You see, we just talked about how Monica created the player character, or at least the placeholder for him, in order to interact with us, the user. But why would she want to do that? Well, she wants to save her friends. She told us as much in that hidden message from her character file. Everyone else is 
dead, but I know that this isn't my only story. I can see that now, really clearly. If they know ahead of time, then they should be able to avoid it. Plus, our theory that Monica shares memories with the Monica from the other game, or to use this new game's terminology, the other Virtual Machine VM2, is confirmed in an email from DDLC+. Quote, has anyone evaluated the side effects that might be caused by sharing a memory pool between multiple VMs rather than allocating them separately? I'm looking at some of the files VM1 is generating, and I'm finding some information that definitely shouldn't be there. My best guess is that memory being freed from VM2 isn't getting zeroed out, which technically gives VM1 access to it. So Monica is able to see into VM2, seeing the horrors that befall her friends over in the Project Libertina simulation, and she wants to help them, but how do you do that when you're trapped in a video game? Well, you break out of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that Monica is pulling a William Afton glitch trap move and has hijacked someone's body to do it. But she's not focused on us. She's using a member of Team Salvato, senior engineer Ive Laster. That whole speech of hers that we found hidden in her character file. Who are you? I can't, I can't see you, but I know you're there. Yeah, you can definitely hear me. You've been watching for a while now, right? It's time to be a hero. Both of us. That's not to us. It's to him, Ive. How do I know? Let's look a bit closer at Ive. Ive is an interesting character throughout the files that the new game gives us. We've seen a few emails from him as well as seeing him mentioned in a few meeting notes. His writing style is casual. He uses phrases like OMG and types things like ha ha ha. Other Team Salvato members mention that Ive makes meetings go on for too long. He also seems to be obsessed with interacting with the VM1 simulation. Obsessed with making it into a game. Quote from Meeting Notes 2, playable equals observable form, not a game. Stay focused, Ive, which leads Ive to write the note track six name ideas where he calls it Operation Not a Game. So that all gives us an idea of his personality and his writing style, which is why I believe he's the writer of the ddlc.txt file that talks about turning VM1 into a video game. Notice all the extra punctuation, the want for things to be fun and cool, and of course the signature, ha ha ha. But what does any of this have to do with Monica? Well, it seems like a random tangent, except when you look at Meeting Notes 3. Obviously, Meeting Notes 3 comes after 1 and 2, so comes later in the timeline, but it has a few things that felt odd to me. Quote, fifth entity in VM1, not part of original genetic model, not present in data dumps, very bizarre. Ive is less talkative today. Meeting ending on time? 12.55, OMG. Obviously, the mention of the time is another clue to the file puzzles, but the fact that they ended on time because Ive was less talkative was a detail that grabbed my attention. People, of course, have off days, so maybe it was nothing, but it feels out of character. Plus, that other line about there being a fifth entity within the system that's never been present feels weird. We know it's not the player character that Monica created because Team Salvato is all aware of his presence inside the simulation. So who then is it? And the Ive weirdness continues. The first email that you unlock, but the one that comes last in the timeline if you actually look at the dates, is an email from Ive with the subject line, have a nice weekend. It reads, I'm on leave the rest of the week. Contact Ravi if you need to schedule server time, but I I expect my jobs to run for a few days since we've collected so much data this week. How about we arrange a meeting to discuss the results when I return? I've Laster, senior engineer. As it's the first email you get, it's easy to overlook. A lot of people don't really think all that much of it. We don't really know Ive at this point. But as we learn more and more about him from earlier and earlier emails in the timeline, his tone has changed here. Wanting to be in a meeting about results straight to the point, no abbreviations or ha ha ha's, his tone feels off. But 
but I couldn't quite figure it out until I looked at the subject heading, have a nice weekend. Why does that sound so familiar? Where have I seen that before in this franchise? Oh yeah, in the original DDLC during Act 2 when you spend the weekend after Yuri, uh, made Swiss cheese out of her own stomach, you find a file in the game's folder called, you guessed it, have a nice weekend. Exactly the same as the email subject from Ive, even down to the exclamation point. That file, by the way, is a text string encoded first in Base64, and also by a Vision Air cipher with the key Libertina. Again, the simulation's crossing over, sharing memory with Monica as the one who's able to access it all. This, to me, could only mean one thing. Monica has pulled a William Afton. She's managed to swap her consciousness with Ive. Think about it. We know Monica has a very sensible, mature writing style based on her poems, so it would make sense that she wrote it, trying to blend in, as well as why Ive might suddenly be so quiet in a meeting. Monica doesn't want to draw attention to herself. It also explains that mysterious fifth entity in the last snapshot of VM1, which nobody can explain. It's Ive. He's trapped in the game thanks to his own hubris. He wanted so desperately for his experiment to be fun, to make it into a game, and when he saw that Monica had made a character for him to assume, he started playing, only to experience the horrors that we did, but his fate was much worse than ours. Monica's note hidden in her character file, I believe, is directed specifically at Ive, thanking him for all the help that he's given her so far, talking to him about how they need to work together to save everyone else. But by work together, she means using his body to exit the simulation and help her friends over in VM2 from the outside. In other words, Monica has escaped. And if that weren't enough, there's yet another entity that we have to be on the lookout for, one coming from the other side, Project Libertina, an entity named Marla. But more on her and the horrific experiments that are happening over on VM2 next time. And don't forget, you can still grab that new Game Theory backpack, pencil case, or keychain. Just click on the links below this video and become the obsession of all your friends, virtually or physically. Though, hopefully not too obsessed. I'm looking at you, Yuri. So until next time, remember... It's all just Monica. Just Monica. Just Monica. See you next time.